Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I have seen Beyond the Black Rainbow. It was alright. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Beyond the Black Rainbow, which released in 2010 from writer-director Panos Cosmatos. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story kind of follows a young girl called Elena who is being held captive at an institute. She is under heavy research, led by the head of research, Barry Nile. As Dr. Nile studies Elena's mental state, we start to understand that the two of them have been places none of us could ever imagine. So Jess and I reviewed Mandy mm, uh, yes. a couple of years ago, and that was really our first introduction into Panos Cosmatos's like films, and uh, finding out that eight years before Mandy, yeah. he released Beyond the Black Rainbow, and that was when I found out that this guy was the son of George P. Cosmatos, who was a famous non-director of Tombstone. Oh, right, nice, nice. Uh, and it was actually the royalties from Tombstone that funded the entirety of this film. Wow. And, wow. Uh, and of course, sadly, George P. has passed away. And Panos Cosmatos has said that, you know, uh, this film and Mandy is pretty much his kind of inner reflections or expressions of d dealing with the loss of his parents. Uh, and wow. Beyond the Black yeah. Rainbow, I have to say, is one of those films that came out and it didn't exactly get the same amount of fanfare no. that Mandy no. did. Yes. But I think that may be in part due to... You know, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, I, which I think has then put more eyes on this director to then go back and discover this, you know, his earlier work and then want to go and see what he does beyond this. Yeah. Uh, man, it, like, we watched Mandy together. We didn't watch it for the review. We watched it together. And yeah. that was a fucking acid trip ball of fucking nightmarish fucking fuel. I, I know some people fucking hail it as you know, an amazing movie, but I remember just sitting there going, what the fuck is going on? Like, like there's some, you know, there's some things you can do spending your time. I don't know if Mandy is one of them. Like, unless you're in the mood of watching Nicolas Cage take off his pants, run around drinking vodka and ax people up with some fucked up. You know, that could be a Thursday, I suppose. Um, but yeah, this director hasn't done anything since. Like he's done one episode of uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Okay, okay. Uh, and now he's working on a new sci-fi thriller movie. Yeah. So like he'd done Mandy, and I hadn't heard much from him since until you know Gary's just like we got to review this, and I was like, what the fuck is Beyond the Black Rainbow? What the fuck is that shit? And I don't care what people say. I don't care. I was like, I've got a wiki. I've got a wiki it because with a title like Beyond the Black Rainbow that doesn't scream Adam Sandler comedy to me. Well, of course not. Right, exactly. But I was good. I didn't do it initially. I, no, I didn't do it initially. You know, Gary said, look, we've got to do it on this review, but we've got a couple of films to do first. So I was waiting and I was waiting and it was in the back of my head. Oh, you're going to do Beyond the Black Rainbow. What the fuck is that shit? It's like, that's not a kid's movie. It's certainly no animation. Nobody, nobody was talking about this film. Like, there was not probably anybody I knew that I could say, have you heard about this film? And then to honestly go, oh, yeah, I've seen it. So I waited. And then there was the night, just the night before I was about to sit down and 
make my notes for the review and I was going to watch the film and I was like, fuck it, I'm going in. And I wicked that shit. I wicked it hard. And I was like, you know what? That's not too bad. That's nowhere to the scale of what Mandy was. You know, like, let, let, if, you've, if you've not seen Mandy, go off, see it, come back. Yeah, you're back, right, okay. Mandy, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah. Uh, that's, am I, am I wrong? It's some fucked up shit. This, though, I was like, okay, now I need to see this. I need to see Beyond the Black Rainbow. And so hit play. And warnings off the offset. This movie is so heavily inspired by some of the best 70s and 80s, probably some of the worst 70s and 80s movies, sci-fi horror movies of their time, that that was what I kind of fell in love with halfway through the movie. You know, it wasn't the story or the the actors or or anything else. It was this director's kind of... Aesthetic vibe? Yes, aesthetic vibe, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This film, I think, gives you actually quite a good... Bit of exposition right at the right at the beginning, yeah. where you're kind of watching a, an indoctrination video. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I suppose it could come across like that for, for this for this institute that's called the Ar- Arborea mm. Institute. Yes, and uh, we we see their slogan and we see their their text and they're explaining how they're trying to find the soul of humanity yes. through technology in in or, or any way possible. Yeah, uh, and we also. A little uh, little uh, copyright thing comes up at the bottom. Right. So obviously you translate the Roman numerals. Find out this is this video was made in 1966, oh. uh, and so that kind of helps you with knowing where this film's kind of coming from, with where it's based mm. in time. Yeah. When we then jump to the film's present of 1983, and I have to say again, the film does a tremendous job of recreating the aesthetics of the 80s as yes. well, pretty faithfully uh, in terms of costumes, haircuts, yeah. music oh, choices, haircuts. you know, and uh, <laughs> and, and it really, even the, uh, you know, the, the 35 millimeter film grain, yes. it all feels natural. It doesn't feel fake yes. at all. Yes. Uh, and then, and then you're in. Hello, my name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea. And I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Dr. Mercurio Arborea, his his voiceover at the beginning, like you said, it's it's like an advert, but it was it was kind of so hypnotizing, you know, like his full-on explanation of this place where you are, his head of research, Dr. Barry Nile, and once he finished his advert, we had the title cards to the movie. Yeah, about we, 10 minutes in. Yeah, and I was like, okay, that's a weird place to put your title cards. But what followed after that was like some just real weird, ominous imagery. And we've got, is it Elena sitting in her room? And Dr. Niall walks in, sits down, he starts questioning her. Like, it's uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable. I felt the way he, he was talking to her was was wrong. And then we got the title of the movie. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Okay, did the title not come up with the actors with the and actresses? There. No. So why, like, what are you doing to me, director? Why? Why? <laughs> Well, it's just to help, uh, I guess, pace out the establishing, you know, the the, the info dump that we had at the beginning that yes. kind of sets this world up because the film doesn't hold your hand, you know, and it has to be said that this film is very polarizing. Yeah. A lot of people would, would tune out or switch off 
uh, from this film yes. very early on. This is a very art house indie uh, kind of movie that goes at a, a glacial pace. You know, oh, yeah, this film yeah. takes its time. Yes, uh, but it's it is all of these long winded scenes. You'll know just from looking at some of this footage how the camera lingers. You know, the the edits are not rapid. No. There's a lots of time yeah. between each shot. Uh, just lingering on these characters, sometimes with uncomfortable close-ups. Yeah, yeah. But that's where these actors get to shine as well in their, their mannerisms, in their delivery. And their body language tells you enough to know, uh, you know, we've got patient doctor, but something's not quite right. <laughs> you say body language or, or, or lack of. Yes. I mean, yeah, yes. you know, Eva Bourne playing Alina when she sat in her little observation room and Barry Niles obviously questioned her. She doesn't move. She doesn't look. She up. almost seems catatonic. Yeah, you and, know. But then you want to know why. Like, what? What have they done to her? What yeah. are they doing to her? What are they doing? Is this for, for her? our own good? Maybe she is like an alien or a monster of some kind, was and we it, can't let her out. Was it? He does. He, he starts tapping on his board, doesn't he, to see yeah. if he gets a reaction, and he starts just tapping really, really frantically. So we, then we get a close up of Alina's hands on her chair, like she's gonna rip her chair apart. She's getting angry, and he's just like, "Very good." Very good. And I'm like, you are such a weird fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remind you of anyone? Because um, I always wondered what happened to Patrick Bateman after American Psycho. Man, yeah. I kept having to remind myself it wasn't Christian Bale. It wasn't Bale. Christian Bale. Michael J. Rogers. Yeah. It's Michael J. Rogers. It's not fucking Christian Bale. <laughs> Man, you know, if Christian Bale was in that role, this <laughs> yeah. film might have got a lot of attention. But yeah, like the actor does a really good job. He mm. is he is intimidating and frightening and he doesn't yeah. doesn't carry himself like in an imposing way. But I think the music pretty much tells you that. Yes. <laughs> it just feels like like we've already had, like I said, the info dump at the beginning saying that he's the head of research. So he's in charge of this department and Yes, the movie's very slow in its reveal, but that's actually the point. You know, like we said, it's paying homage to some of the... Like, I got feelings to Invasion of the Body Snatchers from this movie. 2001 Space 2001 Odyssey. 2001 Space Odyssey. Blake Seven. Dark Star. Dark Star. Fucking Buck Rogers. Fucking... Like, I didn't need to see the outside world. I was in the future, but I wasn't. I was in 1983, but technically I'm in 2010. It's the 80s kind of uh, impression of the yeah, future. Yeah. And this film has kind of retro retroactively recreated that. And it is a bit of a mind wonder, really, because you're like... Because you, you see that big room with the big white pyramid in it. Oh, yes. And you're like, where yes. is that? Is yeah, that a room? Because like, I don't think we ever <laughs> see the actors in that room. We just see it no, light up that's and, it. And, and, and turn off. Now, I tell you right now, I'm so glad I wikied that shit. Because if I didn't know, I'd have been sat there going, uh, what is that even? What is that about? Because we we've already had before we've even got halfway through the movie, we've already had a lot of false imagery thrown at us. You know, what it's... What do you mean? Well, like... Like, images that actually don't mean anything, you know, in the film. Like, like when he's at home and he's on the phone, we get some kind of close-ups of, like, the carpet or something on the floor. It doesn't mean anything. It's just... Visually, it's just supposed to be there to look good. You know, so, uh, yet other sequences, you know they have a meaning. You just... You just don't know what they mean in the broader aspect of things. Like like I said, with Alina sat in her room, you know, on that chair. Is it an observation room? Is it a question room? Is it even real? We don't know. The film's not telling us this. So when I saw the pyramid room, the light pyramid, 
We'd already had it kind of shown to us at the beginning with Dr. Warrior. He'd, or we didn't know it was him. He was kind of shadowed out and he's just holding one. But, spoilers. This thing is a kind of psychic buffer. It, it neutralizes Elena's powers. Without this thing, she's like fucking Professor Xavier. Okay. You know, <laughs> like she's like super mind powerful. This thing stops her from doing that. So, like, we get the sequence where she kind of wakes up and she walks to the edge of her room and she puts her hand on the wall. And as she kind of goes to use her powers, this thing activates and shocks her back. And so, like I said, I, I'd already kind of cheated myself. I don't care. But knowing that, I was like, ooh, I need to kind of see that. And so when the film actually made it visually for me, I was like, oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. You know, it's... It's not CGI, it's kind of a practical effect. It's a light in a little pyramid room. It's very simplistic, but yeah. I guess when the actors respond to it, you kind of get the impression of how it's controlling her. Yeah. Uh, and so when it's activated, she she ends up, I mean, he ends up turning it up even higher at one point until she collapses yes. on the ground. Yes. So I was like, and of course it made me think of Scanners. Yes, uh, It yeah. made me think of Stranger Things yes. as well. Yes, And uh, and so we understand, you know, that, that she is being tortured in a way, but it's, we, we soon realise as well that Barry Nile has an obsession with her, an unhealthy mm. one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we also have this other assistant, Margot, mm. who starts to get a little bit curious about some of the work that's going on. And she ends up going into, I'm not sure where. Yeah, like, it's like she's a, just wandering, smoking she, a fire. Exactly, right? And so, of course, she leaves some ash. You know, she leaves some ash on the ground. This is that button like loads of times, like... What's this do? What's it's this do? It's just a button. I've got to press it. <laughs> and it opens up this file. And there's this, 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 uh, all of this imagery in there. Yeah. That uh, Barry Nile has illustrated. And we also get to see that he is perhaps very violent and perhaps very sexually obsessed with Eleanor. Yeah. And so th this leaves Margot in a bit of a panic. She kind of throws the book back in and heads back off. But... She uh, ends up having to run her routinely experiments and get administering pills and drugs well, to he, Elena. He um he, he'd already dropped this kind of line to Elena um when he was talking to her, saying that he knew her mother, and that like if she goes back to her room, she may find a picture of her mother, which you know Elena's kind of freaked out by because her room is sparse. You know, it's she doesn't have anything in there. It's just her. Um, and so when she goes back there, she finds the room, loved the sequence, thought the music that accompanied it was just absolutely breathtaking. And I just needed to know more what was going on with this film. And so after we've got Margot finding the secret stash of Dr. Barry Nile, who like up to this point, he is seeming more than normal. You know, to me, I'm like this motherfucker, even, even though I know like this, the, the way the actor is portraying it, I'm like, he's almost like David Bowie, man who fell to the earth style. Like he's not. Human. He's an alien in human he's, skin. He's right? an alien in human skin, the way he just kind of acts. And so, like, he, he comes across his room, sees the ash, realises he's been compromised. And so then he comes up to Margot and he's got his hands on her shoulder. He's like, yeah, um, <laughs> there's possibly some kind of contraband in Elena's room. And so Margot's just like, really? Oh, Okay. And I kind of loved this kind of sequence because you're thinking like Alina's the, the prisoner, Dr. Niles uh, Dr. the bad guy, you know, Margot's the security guard. So she's either going to be partially good or partially bad. 
And so she walks into the room and, you know, she's, she's, she's looking for this photo and she finds it and she's like, is this your mum? And she goes, and, and Alina doesn't say anything. She just ignore her. And was it, she rips it in half and just destroys the picture. And I'm like, Marco, you bitch. <laughs> you, I hope you fucking die. But she's been set up because Barry is watching all of this and he knows that Elena's going to react, react. to this. And so he's like, I'm going to turn off the device that's <laughs> containing her psychic powers. And so she makes Margot's skull implode. Oh, it's fucking ace. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is blurred out, but you just see the red gush everywhere. Yeah. And then her body is, is on the ground. Yeah. And you're just like, my God, okay, so yeah, that she really has these powers. She, and yeah. she's being kept in check. Yeah. For good, I suppose. Yeah. But then we need to flash back again to find out how exactly things came to be the way they are. And we have roughly a 10-minute acid trip. Yeah. As we have this series of images that explains to us that Barry underwent a kind of transformation when he submerged himself into this gloop. Yeah, like, it's white. Like, you can see it from some of the footage, but this, I would say this sequence alone would make or break the audience. Because it was it was strenuous to watch, trying to work out what was going on. Luckily, right. I already knew going into it, so seeing like you can barely make out dr arborea who we realize now is under, he's he's being subdued by barry with like drugs and heroin or, or whatever in his room so barry's got full reign of the institute and obviously full reign to control alina and research her and stuff like that so killing margo is not a problem for him but it, dr arborea in this sequence it's, it's so white you can barely see him. There's a female that you, you, you're you not entirely sure where the hell she's coming or what she's doing and who she is. And then, yeah, you've got Barry who submerges himself into this black goop. And so, like, you're looking at this black goop like, uh, no, don't go in there. Like, event horizon, anybody? He is. <laughs> he's going to get the dark inside him. Like, that's why he's so fucked up in the sequences that we've seen. Right. And I have to say, that entire montage in terms of the music, the imagery... Like the upside down face kind of melting oh, upwards. Yeah. You know, it's just it, it, like him submerging, him coming out <sighs> of that black circular loop yeah. in, into the whiteness. Yeah. And then just standing there or sitting there. Yeah. Just like, it was yeah, amazing. It, it, the imagery, imagery is fantastic. Yeah. It really is. And so it really is up to you then to discern really what, what actually happened. What is the Arborea project? Where did he go? Yeah. Where did he go? Where did he come back from? What, and did he bring something with him? What does he do when he comes back? Because he comes, because he's climbing out and the female doctor is there. Um, and then he seems to, to me, it looked like he was doing the vampire trick on her and he bites her on the neck. Right. Drains her. Well, it's blood. like he maybe have those psychic powers to yeah, mobilize, paralyze Possibly. his victim before. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he does he ends up killing the female doctor um, and then Dr. Aboria comes back and comes across it and he's obviously in shock. 
but we then realised that they the, put a child the baby into the gloop as yeah, well. Is his is Doctor Arborio's daughter, which I believe is the daughter from the female doctor that we've just seen killed, but you don't actually see it. All of a sudden, they've just got this baby. Uh, we don't see them submerge the baby in the gloop, which I was very fucking happy yeah. about. I didn't know how they were going to film that fucking shit. Um, but, and, you know, like, like, did he submerge her and let her go and take his hands back? Or did he have hold of her and then pull her back out? Or, because we realised that the baby coming, you know, coming out of the gloop is Lena in, in the prison. Um, but, yeah, Barry Nile himself has just gone, he's gone cuckoo by this point well we also know this as an audience when there's a particular scene where i think he's at home yeah like when when whenever the characters are outside of the facility we don't really get to see their their familiar surroundings of home yeah that much because it remains blurred or out of focus yeah we get a couple of rooms but he ends up getting a, a phone call which he's resistant to answer and when he does whatever noise is coming out of the phone is gibberish and makes no sense. And when he ends up hanging up, he lifts up the receiver and we hear there's no dial tone. He's not be able to get any response. Mm. And when he lays down on the floor, we can see that the phone isn't even connected. Yeah. So either the myriad of drugs that we've seen him take throughout the film mm. is a result of his experience with the project, how he's transformed or changed from it or it's just some other hallucinogenic drugs that he's taking to help fuel his research yeah and so we don't therefore know what necessarily is real anymore yeah we do have a system in place now the audio, though, the real audio that's playing back on that telephone call is from Rom the Space Knight, which I believe is a Marvel character. Okay. Uh, who hasn't yet appeared in the MCU for reasons. <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> uh, but uh, he had a, a toy line and the actual audio is the commercial for one of his toys. And, just, and it's played in reverse. So I'm like, why? Even then, why has the director chosen this toy... And played it in reverse in this sequence. Man, just to make it more funkier. The diaries can assume any form they wish. Rum counters this with the energy analyzer. With it, he can see through appearances and determine the true essence of any being. Like, I, I, I watched him pick up the phone and just start listening to this weird voice. I was just like, yep, that's the boss. That's the person who's in charge of him. He's, right. just, got his, he's just got his orders from, obviously, Planet X. He's, right. He's going to go out and execute them now or do whatever. Because, like, he, he, he wanders home, you know, and he's, you know, it's after we've had the flashback of him coming from beyond the Black Rainbow, I suppose. Because he even says it, like, I'm going beyond... Or I, I've gone beyond the Black Rainbow to his wife, Rosemary. And we, Gary and I were questioning, like, that relationship at home is so weird. Like, you don't know if she's his wife or she could be his sister. You know, they're not really close. Like, was she high? I swear when he came home and she was just lying there, it then it, it just showed us like a bowl of weed. Like She was like, well, I'm meditating. Yeah. I was just like... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But he, he goes up into the bathroom and he, he removes his wig. Um, and then he... 
you don't you see it from behind but he kind of like takes out his contact lenses or like yeah. pierces his he's eyes literally removing his entire mask yeah and he's he's this bold weird well he's still a guy yeah but whatever experience he had in the institute has fundamentally changed him yeah. and turned him into a monster to which he hides you know under a wig and contact lenses to blend in to not look like the monster that he secretly is and yeah he kind of is suppressing his own rage and his own anger and frustrations because he doesn't have the same abilities as elena who went through the same process as him yet is somehow gifted whereas yeah. he is not at the and same is, level is he and in it's, love with her as well because he well, he's, feels he's she's jealous. on the same level as he's him. jealous he's of jealous. her gift or are her they, power really, yeah are and they, he wants it are they closer now yeah that's it he wants the power so he, he kills his wife rosemary um which was harsh but we're cutting back to elena who's managed to like fool the white pyramid into letting her out and she escapes from her cell and we'd already seen when she'd been knocked out by Nile these these things. They they're called sentinels, and they're these kind of just giant robot humanoid things. Um, and but she comes across one after she climbed up the elevator shaft. Which the elevator shaft, I've got to give fucking kudos to. I didn't even I didn't even realize it when I was watching the movie. I was so engrossed. And Gary goes, "Yeah, it's from Dark Star," and I was like, "Fucking course it is! Course it is! It's a fucking yeah, sucking." Yeah, there it is. But um, fucking Elena comes across this this sentinel and it removes its mask or she psychically tells it to remove its mask or whatever. And so it does. And it's a kind of a, like a weird child like face. Right. It. it was well freaky. Which um, then makes me think, what other experiments are they doing? Yeah. Here? Was this like, thing another one of Barry's failed experiments going into that's the Black it. Rainbow? That's it. Was the baby that we even saw, like we, like we just, like, Elena makes it out. She wants to see her father. Is Dr. Oborio her father? Was that the baby? Did he use more children? I mean, she comes across that weird fucking... Um, uh, another mutation. Another mutation in a cell, doesn't yeah. she? Um, kind of all tied up. That kind of looks like Barry. Without the makeup on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and its its psychic powers are pretty strong. Because when she climbs out, she has to close the door. To, to, to shut inside. I mean, that was great. The way the, the sound just stopped. Right. <laughs> you know, there was a couple of transitional air, air uh, cuts like that that I thought were really fucking good. Um, but Lena actually manages to find the escape. She actually not only manages to escape from her cell out of the lab, but she actually manages to escape outside into this kind of forest. I have to say, it's a wonderful transition in the film mm. because the film has had really long, drawn-out shots. Yeah. Yeah, you know, very slow pace and very psychedelic colours and visuals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and when we see other parts of the facility, it's all this retro-futuristic look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's, it's one of my favourite shots in the film where she kind of pierces the veil and she ends up in this room that looks like an 80s staff room. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It looks nothing yeah. like the entirety yeah. of the entire film at this point. Yeah. And so then when she's outside and looking around, I'm like, the film language changes yeah. That's to, to reflect the, the, the freedom that she has, that she's now free of the psychedelic weirdness that was going on inside. That's it, uh, yeah. And the film kind of has this... It has a bit of a transitional change where it becomes a bit like a, a bit of a horror slasher in the last 10 minutes where yeah. Barry, 
you know, he, he has that weird perverted moment where he finds uh, that her bed is empty and he's sniffing it and groping it. Yeah. Uh, because he's also got this dagger because he wants, he's going to kill her now. He wants, yeah. Because he, wants he can't power. have the power. He can't have her. So he's going to kill her. Yeah. Uh, but she's escaped. And so he's now going to chase her because he had already uh, got one of the drones to implant her with a tracking, tracking device. device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but th th it's funny you say that because now I'm thinking about it. it. It was such a weird, like I said, inside the facility at Niall's home, it was very 70s, 80s, kind of aesthetically weird looking. When she went outside, you couldn't, you couldn't fool your mind into thinking that there's like fake grass and fake trees. So it all just seemed very real. Like, yeah. the, like the world that Alina was in was like a weird acid trip. And now here she is actually outside looking at the sky in the real world. Especially when, like we said, Niall was driving and he heads into the woods and he comes across these two random fucking beer drinkers. But before that, there, there's a great moment where he's in the car yeah. and he's driving. It's, it's, it's also the same scene that's in Mandy. Uh, where he's driving and then he turns to look at his passenger, oh, and which it's is him. him. Yes, and you know, and the You're same. You're doing a good thing. job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's a great. I mean, it's an odd moment, uh, but it's just like, is he so lost now? He's so gone. Yeah. He's let the demon out. Yeah, uh, that it's like, which one's driving now? Yeah, this, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's the same Barry. He's just mad because he's gone beyond the black rainbow. Like whatever well, that shit. Well, that's it, like, his mind up. Th this film has a lot uh, of uh, of mirrors and a lot of reflections mm. in all of the scenes. Except, I, I think it's Barry who has like the least amount of reflective shots. Whereas Elena, uh, Margot, and um, Rosemary, they they have a lot of reflections in all of their shots. Right. So it's like, is it like the duality of man? Yeah. The, yeah. the good and evil within us is like I'm I'm just trying to make There's sense of why so the imagery is the way it is. Uh, but then with him in particular, he doesn't necessarily have a reflection, but he has a double mm. that he's with. So, yeah, I don't but, know. Like, when he gets out into the woods, though, he comes across these two beer drinkers. That was that was smoked up, because one of them's talking about getting laid, and the other one's like, that's a lie, you fucking ugly bastard. I'm like, these two are friends? Right, <laughs> they don't act like they it. Don't they don't act like it. No, so much so that one of them goes off for a piss, and Barry sneaks up and fucking stabs him in the mouth, which was a pretty damn gory kill. Um, and then his mate's just like, hey, hey. I'm like, you don't even know your buddy's name. <laughs> like, I'd at least be like, gay, are you dead? But, you know, this guy's like, hey. Yo. Yo. <laughs> Maybe that was his name. Yeah. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> And fuck, I did love that scene because Barry kind of fully sneaks up behind him, doesn't he? Fucking right gets up behind him. Um, and though the film, like my only real negative criticism for it is that for a lot of the elongated lingering shots that we'd had kind of had made the film feel like it had dragged out a little bit too long. But this ending, I was really impressed by it because it just seemed like Barry catches up with Alina and he wants to get close to her. But she uses her psychic powers to to fully firmly keep his feet stuck down on the ground, and he moves forward, but he can't move forward. So momentum just kind of forces him over, and he whacks his head on a rock and dies. Almost <laughs> like sweet. <laughs> I love. 
how anticlimactic it is. It's not like, that exactly like like if if everything that happened in that facility uh, was just a drug-induced acid trip and none of it was really how the film portrayed it. Yeah. Like uh like this is confirmation that there's some kind of power battle going on here. Like how do you illustrate to people having a psychic battle you, without but, showing it. Well, that's the thing. You 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 say you think that they're having a psychic mind battle. To me, he honestly just comes up gets to her. Gets his foot stuck and, and falls it, over. Yeah, gets it. And, but <laughs> not gets his foot stuck. Like, she uses her power. So she is using power. She's using her power to firmly keep his feet down. He's not using any power because he thinks he is over powerful. He's got the knife. He's going to get her. So it's the shock on his face that he can't move because she... Like, like we, we never see Niall have psychic powers once in the movie. No, not really. You no. know, he's not even affected by the White Pyramid. He can turn it on and off whenever. She's got the power because, like, she kills the guard, you know. she she's, she's even used it on Niall because he gets a headache in one of their interviews at one point. So her power just kind of firmly keeps his feet down and he whacks his head. There's no long-winded speech. There's no weird CGI practical demon that doesn't make any sense. There's no trying to understand beyond the black rainbow. She, bang, dead. And I was like, sweet. And she walks off. She crosses a road. Like we see all these houses. Are there people in those houses? Are they asleep? Are they gonna call the police? You know, did the police shut down the Arborian Institute? Because Dr. Boria has taken... He's had an uh, overdose. Right. Barry fucking killed him before he went home and got changed. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the film's ending wants yeah. to say with that <laughs> final shot. Like, yeah, she's free, but now she's in our world. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Is she? And then, I mean, we had, like, the, the, the thing that gets me the most with that last shot is that there was we don't see any other people. No, we it's don't. It's completely devoid of yeah. any life except... That 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 glowing light that's coming through TV. all the windows of, from TV screens, yeah, and uh, it's just yeah, it, it it gives you something. It pauses you for thought, and then the credits are rolling. And of course, yeah, you're enjoying the music of the credits. You wait for the credits to roll, and then the film hits you with something else. It hits you with a quote from Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Buckaroo. Yeah, and then it ends on a, a bit of audio playing backwards over a toy doll mm. that looks exactly like the guards that we'd saw earlier in the film, which yeah. then makes you go, well, was this all a child's imaginings? Was this all a dream? I don't think so. But then what, why is the poignancy of having that after the credits? Just more to think about, more layers to dig through. Yeah. So many layers. So many layers. <laughs> well, Ian, peeling back the layers, what were your favourite scenes from the film? Oh, man. Um, like... The first one's got to be that elevator sequence. I didn't, I didn't get it at first, but seeing her trying to make her way out, like you, you've been with this character a lot in her sequences, in her cell, dealing with her mum. You know, you felt the pain and torture, even though you don't see it. So then, actually seeing her escape, Dark Star style, I thought was pretty badass. I absolutely fucking loved the sequence where she's in her bedroom and she finds the picture. And I, I think it's the same sequence where she kind of goes up and she she messes with the TV. So she's able to watch TV programs on it. And the piece of music that was just playing over the top was just so beautifully well placed. You know, in comparison to some of the other music that we'd had up to that point, I was just like, man, and like it went onto my playlist. You know, my musical playlist, just because it's so subdued, it was so fun to listen to. 
Um, I, I, even though it's really fucking like hard to decipher, really fucked up. I did really like the white sequence. You know, it's very sci-fi esque, very clean room, very much them getting ready to do an experiment that you know that they really sh fucking shouldn't be going past the void. Um, uh, even uh, up until even into the fucking acid trip, you know, with the melting faces and the upside down liquid and the zombie and the Barry Nile coming back like a black fucking tar man vampire thing. <laughs> it was fucked up. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> Barry, bring home the mother load. <laughs> I love that line. It's so well delivered. Uh, and that is, yeah, my favourite sequence of the film. The whole 10-minute flashback to 66. Mm. Uh, the experiment of what you can discern is going on right up until it just goes into another dimension with you know smoke and liquids and clouds and, yeah. and humanoid figures and melting wax and whatever other imagery is going on with that soundtrack uh it you you felt like you were going into another dimension with this character yes. and then coming back being birthed back into our reality in a completely different state of mind which is what the whole project within the film was supposed to do yes but of course as we know with the rest of the film it has like very negative results <laughs> they normally do mate they normally do yeah yeah um i also think uh my, my other favorite scene is because it's kind of shocking really is the transformation when he slowly pulls his wig off and then takes the lenses out yeah. and then goes and kills his wife uh by gouging out our eyes mm. like we don't see it entirely mm. but we we know where his thumbs where we hear it yeah. and uh, it just sounds and feels honestly very brutal and uh, so, yeah, those were, I guess, my most memorable scenes. And then my favorite shot was that shot of the 80s staff room with yeah. that ugly couch in the background. It was yeah. just like, it's such a stark contrast to the whole film at that point. I was just like, oh, wow, like there is a normalcy yeah. out there that we're, we're, we we're looking out into now. Great. It's, it's like with, with the sequence I liked with the music, when it transitioned, it, it cut and Niall was looking at the security footage of Alina with a picture. So the music was gone and that's what made me miss it. I just thought, yeah, yeah, such cool little cuts. Well, Ian, do you recommend Beyond the Black Rainbow? I think I surprise myself when I say I fucking highly recommend Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, I I know I wasn't a massive fan of Mandy, but um, it's because it didn't make much fucking sense, really, other than it was a revenge movie of a guy wanting to kill the person who killed his girlfriend or whatever. With this, it's something completely different. You know, it's a sci-fi story of a girl being captured or held captive, you know, and her want to escape while you know, the guy's fucking in love with her, wanting to murder her, whatever. Uh, it's got a beginning, a middle and an end. And it was really well contained. So much so that when it got to the end and it ended, I was like, yeah. Even though the movie had so many questions and so many plot holes, I could easily just turn it off and walk away and go, I've seen Beyond the Black Rainbow. That's it. I'm good. I'm good. Um, visually, it was very impressive. The music, uh, particularly in Alina's sequences, was just absolutely astounding. Loved the actress playing Alina. Um, loved the actress, uh, the actor, sorry, playing uh, Dr. Niall. You know, there weren't that many actors and actresses in the movie, so they all really held their parts really well, which is 
kudos to the actors. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm highly recommending Beyond the Black Rainbow, and I know that this film will be very polarizing with audience reactions, as this film, I feel, is one of these you either love it or hate it experiences. This is not the conventional film in terms of pace or narrative or exposition, and it leaves much of the interpretation to you as a viewer about what the director is expressing in terms of getting any meaning from the story. The story is very simple on a surface level. It's the story of a prisoner whose life, body, mind and soul has been controlled through experiments and drugs who manages to escape her hellish world into another... Well, probably equally hellish world. The film's biggest strength for me was the beauty of the imagery and the incredible film score. The visuals are striking with strong, vibrant colours matched with strange, abstract locations mixed with dreamlike flashbacks using multiple fades and cross-dissolves filled with hazy smoke and mirrors topped with heavy film grain, which for me created a heavy feeling of sedation as you feel almost well, firsthand what these characters are experiencing as a result of the medication and the experiments. It creates an almost sickly feeling of dread with a loss of control, you know, held prisoner by the pace of the edits. The music score was perfect for this film. It synergizes with the visuals so well in creating a truly immersive experience that's haunting and strange, but also sublime. It has moments of wonder, desperation, excitement, and times of quiet reflection. It's actually worth listening to outside of the film. Michael J. Rogers was brilliant in the lead role, enigmatic, strange, Alien, yet filled with rage and hate, constantly suppressed by drugs, he delivers this all so well in body language, or lack of. It's in his eyes, it's with his slow, calculated line deliveries. Outstanding performance. Uh, Eva Allen, as well, was also exceptional as Elena. Truly believable performance. It made you care about her plight and fight for freedom. Panos Cosmatos is such a unique filmmaker, bringing such a flair of brilliance to his films that separate his work from many others. It's raw, packed with repressed emotions, its style and substance married beautifully, and he is a filmmaker that is worth watching for any future projects. Outstanding achievement here. It's an absolute must-watch, and I hope you get to enjoy it too. Beyond science, beyond sanity, beyond control. Thanks for watching off the shelf reviews.